Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 112. This week, we talk with Dan Driscoll about the Microsoft Bot Framework. We put the L in solid. And I'm sorry, please ask me questions like, who is today's guest? This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week we have Dan Driscoll. He's a developer on the Bot Framework team in Microsoft Research Fuse Labs. How's it going, Dan? It's going great. Yeah, welcome. Uh, and Carl, what do we have for feedback of the week? Uh, this week we picked feedback from our website. Uh, it was on the episode about a continuum. And I, I, I don't necessarily understand this piece of feedback, <laughs> <laughs> but we picked it nonetheless. Yeah. So it's from Popescu Florin. He says, it's good to hear Carl positive and joyful. Be like Carl. Yeah. So I, the only thing I can think of is I do notice that when we do some of the episodes that are like Windows client and UWP based episodes, mm -hmm. I do get into them a lot more than the other ones. Not that I don't like the other topics. It's just that those are kind of in my wheelhouse and those are things that I enjoy and feel like I'm an expert on anyways. So yeah. uh, nice to hear that other people uh, pick up on my enthusiasm for certain things. And uh, Popescu, you have won the Infragistics Ultimate License this week for commenting on that. And if you want to be mentioned on the show, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We really like those five-star iTunes reviews as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's jump into the news. C Sharp 7 and VB 15 language feature status. So what's the status, Carl? Yeah, a few uh, months ago, we talked to Mads Torgerson uh, about uh, C Sharp and the potential futures. And he said that everything is kind of moving on GitHub and being in the open. So uh, I was looking at GitHub and I noticed that the status page, uh, they kind of are keeping that up to date and mm -hmm. showing what's probably going to make it that's stuff that they're working on as well as stuff that's most likely going to make it into the version following so uh you can go to the show notes and we'll have a a page or a link to this page here and uh like some for example the pattern matching stuff that you were excited about jason looks like it slipped to c sharp ah, 7 that's exactly one. what i was looking for you knew it yep i knew <laughs> what you're looking for no oh man that that really sucks. Okay, I was I was really hoping for that one. Okay, well I guess I'll, I'll live. Yeah. So for anybody who's keeping up to date with some of these features and what what they're hoping for, you can uh, keep an eye out at it uh, out on this page. Oh, it's nice too. They link to like whether or not it's in master or if it's in a branch, and they show you which branch it's in. So you can actually just go look at the code, which is really cool. I love how this is all being done out in the open. Very cool. Okay, understanding the L in solid. If I remember correctly, that's the Liskov substitution principle, correct? Yeah, but can you tell me exactly what it is off the top of your head without looking? <laughs> uh, not exactly, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think out of all the things in solid, which a lot of people really agree with and really think that's a way to make, you know, large scalable applications, you know, out, out of all those, the Liskov substitution principle is one of the things that people have the most problems with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'll leave it up to everybody else here to read this because it is a little bit lengthy. You're not going to tell 
Well, <laughs> but we'll, we'll cover it a little bit in overview, but they got a nice meme kind of in the, in the middle of this uh, article. It says the Liskov substitution principle. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, but needs batteries, you probably have the wrong abstraction. <laughs> so basically this is like duck typing, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty close to that. So, uh, man, I can't even read it. Um, yeah, so see. essentially you should be able to uh, replace, you know, anything that you have an interface for with any other implementation without needing to change anything else about it. Yeah. So in, in, in the example that he talks about, he has two examples. One, he has the duck example Yeah. that, you know, if you have a duck, but yet one other duck you need, you know, on the setup for it, you know, like insert batteries. Mm-hmm. That's another step that you have to do. You can't make that like a completely, you know, swappable thing that doesn't follow the Ellen solid. Okay. And then he also shows kind of, you know, a way to do, you know, a square inheriting from a rectangle and how that doesn't really kind of fit that either, even though it, you think it should. Okay. But then he also modifies his code to show you how, how you can make it fit that uh, Liskov substitution principle. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, this looks like a pretty good read. I'm going to have to read through that one. Okay, Microsoft Wallet. So I actually saw like some kind of advertisement for this. Um, so apparently there's a mobile payment solution now for Windows Phone. Yeah. So there's there's a standard out there called hardware card emulation. And mm-hmm. that's actually what Android has been using too. This is okay. not something that's proprietary to you know any one company. It's something that all the major card vendors support on some level. Okay. Now to get it on your phone, your phone is going to have to support it in some way, shape or form. It's going to have to have one, the hardware to do the NFC communication, but two, it's going to have to be approved to use this. And then two, your financial institution has to support it as well. So kind of like when Apple pay was first getting going, you saw those ads saying, Oh, you know, our local bank is now supporting it. Yeah. Or Apple Um, pay coming soon. So, so does Microsoft have to make all those same deals then? So they they have to, as far as I know, I could be wrong on this. They have Mm -hmm. to make sure that the individual phones pass a certain certification, but on the other end, it's up to your bank. So I've heard some people saying like, all of my cards work, none of them work, or this one does and this one doesn't. I've heard a lot of uh, Amex, American Express aren't working. Um, Right now, this... Uh, in order to use this, you have to have like a Lumia uh, 950 or 950XL. I think uh, some of the other newer Lumias also support this. Uh, but you have to be running the Windows Insider, whatever the most recent one that to come out wa- with uh, as of we're recording this. So if you're up to date on the fast ring and you have one of those supported phones, uh, you can uh, actually check the wallet app and try to uh, put one of your credit card numbers in there. Okay, And it you'll know pretty immediately whether or not it'll work or not. Okay. But if it is, you can use it to just use your phone to pay uh, with that credit or debit card. Okay. Do you have to put in a pin code then? Is that how it works for Windows um, Phone? I'm guessing I don't, you do. Because on, 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 on the iPhone, like you have to use Touch ID. Yeah, I think so. I haven't personally used this yeah. because my financial institutions do not support it. Uh, I actually wonder too, if you can use uh, Windows Hello. So like, you know, you put the thing down and then you're like sitting there like looking at it. You know, maybe give it like a wink to pay or something. <laughs> <laughs> there, we let's trademark that wink to pay. Well, you, know, you can I, use uh, win- oh, I was yeah, gonna say go. I, I actually used to work with these guys um, over oh, the okay. team, and um, 
the the level of integration that's necessary to get a lot of these financial services to actually work is huge. There are a ton of policy and regulation. Oh yeah, I can't so imagine. It's, it's like it's it's really super cool that they've been able to put something together. Um, you know, uh, j- just all the all the plumbing to make it work is uh, is uh, they they you know they really know their stuff over there, and yeah. uh, it's it's really amazing that they've like you know and any of these folks who work in the financial services industry can put together products that you know are are actually like usable at the at the mm-hmm. consumer level. And what's funny, I you know I recently traveled cross country and I kept worrying about because the the banks don't like me like my card always stops working right. So what I was doing I was actually trying to make sure that I would mix in like some Apple Pay and then also <laughs> I'd also use the the chip reader every once in a while. So it's like I want them to have like a good mixture of like they want I want them to see that I'm traveling based on this you know like with like these super secure payments. You know if I was <laughs> just getting gas like the whole time like just popping the card in like at the at the readers there i'm pretty sure they would have canceled it so i i don't know if that's um i don't know if that's a tip or not um if that's if that actually works but that's what i was doing okay so let's talk about the bot framework because that's why we're here and i actually have a whole bunch of uh you know kind of big picture bot stuff too so i'm glad we got the we got the expert here but i guess let's just start with like what what is the bot framework itself like what did we announce yeah, so uh, back at the at the end of March uh, at the Build Conference, um, my team in in uh, Microsoft Research here in, in Views Labs, we released the Bot Framework, and um, it's one of many different pieces of software that Microsoft has that helps people build really great bots. But I'll, I'll start with the Bot Framework, and we can talk about the other sure. things that, that go into it uh, uh, over time. So uh, the Bot Framework, actually, uh, uh, maybe some history will will help kind of frame mm-hmm. things a little bit. Uh, uh, in uh, in my group in Microsoft Research, we have been doing work on bots, um, and there are a lot of other teams at Microsoft building bots. And we found out that we had to solve the same problems over and over and over again. And w- the first one that we hit was that if you're building a bot for Slack or you're building a bot for SMS or you're building a bot for whatever, you have to code directly to those APIs, and yep. they're, all of them are different. They all work a different way. Um, even though they they end up with the same abstractions um, to, to the user, you know, you, they, they talk in text, they talk in cards, they talk in emojis and images and things. Um, the interfaces are all very different. And we thought, after coding like twelve of these, we thought like there's a better way to do this. And so we built uh, we built an adapter system. And after we built it, we realized well, we should just release this and let other people use it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where the core of the bot framework got started. But that's certainly not where it ended. So um, that first piece is called the bot connector, and that's um, one of the you could think of like kind of three major components in the bot framework. Um, after we had the bot connector put together, we realized that it's actually really hard to write conversational user interface for software. So if you have a piece of software that you want to expose over chat. Um, a bunch of examples, but let's say you're like building a hotel bot, for instance, that mm-hmm. allows people to, I don't know, maybe make reservations at your hotel and like figure out the checkout time. Um, just the basic mechanics of articulating the dialogue are, are really hard. And as you start to code these, you know, your, your first simple bot will be really simple. But as you add uh, features to it, it turns into spaghetti code really quickly. Mm-hmm. So we realize there's this conversational piece that you need too that just does really simple stuff. Like um, if you ask the user a question, you have to remember the question that you asked so that when the user answers it, uh, you can then tie those things together. So like you know, state tracking and um, disambiguation. Say, yeah. Yeah, detecting things like help and cancel, all that stuff um, we put into an SDK that you can then put inside of your bot. So we call that the bot builder. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of the next big chunk of, uh, of the bot framework. Um, 
Uh, we also have um, a bunch of ways to integrate other Microsoft tools into your bot. And um, this is kind of like the next big piece of the bot framework, is that we make it really easy to tie in things like cognitive services. Uh, and, and I say cognitive services, but it's, it's a ton of different APIs. I think at this point there are up to 21 different uh, artificial intelligence APIs. Um, so we have easy ways to integrate those. Um, we glue into Application Insights. I don't know if, if you've used Application Insights before. Uh, you know, it's really amazing for doing like telemetry tracking on your app. Um, I've I've started out with like really simple apps, and I, I don't get it at the beginning because I'm like, okay, I can see that a request came in. I know I made the request. But when you're actually dealing with real traffic, it's pretty amazing stuff. It does a whole bunch of log aggregation yeah. and like correlation, like really. Yeah, amazing it, it's not very useful like when everything's working, but the second that something odd happens, or you know, or you just want to you want to dive in a few levels deeper, then it becomes invaluable. Totally, yeah, and it replaces like all of the junky one-off um, logging frameworks that mm -hmm. everyone has written before. I I, I feel like right. every every developer like one of the first things they do is they realize that like all the logging frameworks out there aren't going to work for them, so they're yeah. going to write their own. <laughs> and like App Insights is the first one that I've used where I'm like, oh, this is like everything I need and, and more. Like the visualizations mm -hmm. are awesome. So anyway, um, we have a way to like log App Insights, and um, so that that's kind of the bot framework, um, you know, as like a, a piece of software. Um, and then there are other things within Microsoft that are related to bots as well. So um, at the same time we launched the bot framework, um, Skype also launched their bot system. And um, a lot of people are confused about the layering here. And um, so there are a couple of things we've done about this. One is that I think we've done a better job of, of explaining why it is Skype and bot framework are separate. And second mm -hmm. off, we're actually kind of taking some of the feedback to heart and we're actually solving the problem. Um, moving forward so that they're not these like kind of two separate things that live off in different different worlds. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, right? So so before, I mean, you had to have like a regular Skype account. I guess I didn't even realize that there was an announcement around that, but now now you can hook bots into Skype. So that's basically one feature. Okay. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even parse that out of the whole thing. And I actually, you know, was communicating with a bot over Skype and I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the the support in Skype for bots is really great, and okay. yeah, they launch and there's a, there's a bunch of new things that they're adding. They have like a calling endpoint, so you can do like voice calls in addition to text messaging. Okay, um, but it totally was a little bit confusing, yeah. like right at the beginning, where it was like, okay, Skype versus bot framework, like what what is this going on? Um, and uh, so um, the way that we launch, which is like older history, is that these things were separate, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that makes sense, right? So if you're using the bot framework, I mentioned you can use it to connect up to these different channels. Like we have others into, in there, like you know Facebook and Slack and SMS. Yep. So the idea is you as a developer go and register with these services on your own, right? You go to your Facebook page and you own the identity of your bot on Facebook. And then uh, we do the API massaging, and, and we do a bunch of other things for you. But st it's still you, the developer, who owns the registration in Facebook. And it's the same thing with Skype. So you, as the developer, own the registration in Skype. If you want to change the display name, you can do that. And that's why we kind of had these two different layers. So we had a layer where you connect directly to the channel. And that's the term we use to describe Skype, Facebook, Slack, SMS, you know, all these other ones. Those that we channels. Support. Yeah, it's called okay. channels. And this seems yep. to be what the industry is sort of settled on, too. So we're okay. <laughs> thankful. It's a, it's a pretty pretty well-understood term in bot circles. Yeah, I think it's pretty intuitive. Yeah. Um, and so we have that layer, and then we have the bot framework stuff, which is uh, all these additional tools and services. Um, but we are we're we're making these even simpler moving forward, so that um, like Skype and bot framework, like they kind of are sort of the same thing. And it's it's all, I think it's a lot less confusing for for developers and um, makes it much easier to get started. Yeah, yeah. I went through so I created a bot yesterday, and you know it was amazing because I found it complex hooking up to all these different channels, but. Um, for, for me, like the actual work that I had to do was actually really simple. Like you guys did a really nice job there. So I needed to hook it up to Slack and Slack. You're right. I mean, has like this 
complicated, you know, back and forth where you have to, you know, move, put these keys, move these keys around and things like that. And you guys had like, here's step one, two, three, four, like go to this page on Slack, grab this ID, paste it in here, take this ID, paste it here, there. I mean, it took me like 60 seconds and, and like, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like most people <laughs> hopefully will like understand what they're doing, but you guys, you guys made it so easy that I actually didn't even have to know what I was doing. And I got it connected up to Slack. And then uh, I want to say I hooked it up to Skype as well. Um, and you made that process really easy, but I could tell just based on that, uh, you know, what process I was going through that, holy cow, if I had to do that myself, I mean, I only spent, I don't know, an hour and a half, like building a bot and I actually, you know, got one working and hooked up to these things. Like I guarantee like me just hooking into Slack, that would have taken me probably an hour and a half just to work with that channel and then figure out how to translate to other channels. So you guys did a really great job there. So anybody listening, I mean, that's that alone is is a ton of value is just hooking up to those those different channels and, and making that process easy. Yeah, and I'm glad you found it easy. You know, you, you said something interesting, which is that, you know, you're maybe not in the target audience for bot developers, right? Like you're just kind of starting at it fresh. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that there are like the people, if we, if we fast forward a year or two from now and we look at all the, the bot, like the really awesome bots that exist, yeah. um, some of them will be written by people who are like totally like all about bots. Like they started out thinking yeah. about bots and they built their <laughs> business around bots. I'm and the actually, bot guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we see a bunch of startups, uh, in particular, who have really focused on bots and like they get it. And this is they they you know they uh, eat and breathe bot you know bot technology all day long. Um, but I think there's also going to be another class of bots that are built by folks who have existing like existing services, existing websites, and they're just going to take their existing functionality and expose it through conversational UI in a way that makes sense for them. And so making these tools that I think seem kind of obvious to people who are in, like you know, in the bot headspace, mm-hmm. accessible to everyone is one of the things we wanted to do. And so that's why like our how-to steps for like, hey, click these four buttons, copy and paste this thing over, like as simple as it can be, um, you know, we, we wanted to make that available for, for anyone who's building a bot. Yeah. Yeah, you guys did. It, it was awesome because like I, like I said, I knew nothing about it. And, and, and what I meant by that was, yeah, I think experts would, would probably um, you know, just understand the, the integration pieces a little more. They'd probably understand how you actually build those things for Slack, but you guys, like I said, made it easy for anybody. Um, so one question I did have is around the, the bot directory. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I created a bot and it basically ends up just being like a web a- or like a, um, you know, basically a web API endpoint, which is like a, you know, so I'm essentially publishing like a service, but then there's this bot directory. Do I have to publish to that directory to, to push this out then? No, you don't. And so we have a, a directory that we're, we're building at the bot framework layer, but like each of the different channels have a directory too. So um, okay. you can think of them as being like many different um, as sort of like bot stores or sort of app stores for bots, if you will. And yeah. um, Skype has their own and um, Slack has their own and um, like Kick. Everybody kind of has their own because when you're in one of those experiences, when you're in Skype, and you want to contact someone who, you know, a bot that you think is on uh, Skype, you don't want to have to bounce out to some random website somewhere. I mean, the random website may be a great way to get into the experience, especially if you're on, like, the hotel bot's website already. It's great to have that connect via, you know, SMS or Skype or whatever button right there. Um, but if you're already within Skype, you just want to be able to find it within Skype. So um, uh, we expect that there's going to be, like, you know, th- there certainly are already many different stores. And um, the directory that we have at the bot framework layer um, is a place for where we're going to uh, allow people to publish their own bots. But, you know, bot discovery is a, a very multifaceted, um, I don't know, it's a multifaceted, I wouldn't call it a problem. It's a, it's a uh, you get into it many different ways, from your own website, um, from the, the store or, or otherwise. 
Uh, so for, if you're building a bot, you don't really have to publish it to any store. It just has okay. to be available on the channel, right? And SMS is a good example. So you, all you need is you need a phone number. You don't okay. have to publish the bot anywhere. As long as it has a phone number, okay. people can interact with the bot. Um, there are a couple of platforms um, that limit the traffic that you can get to your bot before it's been approved and vetted. Um, so um, there's like a preview mode in those cases just to make sure that the bots are you know, not you know, misbehaving or anything before um, they, they're available <laughs> okay. to the public. But um, apart from that, uh, yeah, the discovery and the usage are, are kind of separate. Yeah, because I submitted mine and I, I, I shouldn't have. I mean, it was literally like it just tells you the, the temperature uh, of my office and uh, off of a Raspberry Pi device here. And I submitted it and, uh, you know, sort of half asked. I just wanted to see what happened. So I, I don't I don't know who who those approvals go through, but I, I, I hope that it doesn't make it through the process. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, we have folks who, who look at those. You know, it's interesting yeah. um, that uh, you kind of almost like stumbled into the experience of accidentally submitting it. Can you imagine doing the same thing with an app? Right. You built an app yeah. and, and somehow during the registration of actually like getting it working, um, you got to the point where like it's ready to go and ready to publish. Yeah. And uh, it's great that in the bot world, like your your entire bot's logic and everything is hosted on the cloud service that yep. where your bot runs. So once you've got it deployed, like it's ready to go. And if you do, if you were building a real bot, um, if you're building a bot that you wanted you know customers to interact with, um, uh, you know you're already right there, and you just have to click a button and hit publish. And if you are ready, then then there, there's not a whole lot of extra work you have to do. Yeah. So is it possible for me to build a bot using the bot framework and SDK that is either private or maybe enterprise only that's only available inside my company or to, you know, the small group of people I want to distribute it to? Yeah. Um, and it depends a little bit on how your company is organized. Um, but there's nothing about the technology that that prevents that. So um, if you have a uh, 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 an uh, enterprise that runs out of like Office 365, we have a way to connect an email account on Office 365 up to your bot. And then you can use the existing Office um, permissions to make sure that people within your organization are the ones who can connect to it. Um, now, you probably want another layer of security inside of your bot. And so um, you, know, you may want to authorize users as they come into the bot and make sure that they're actually signed in to you know, your, your domain or into your, bot, uh, into your enterprise's systems so that you know who they are and you can perform you know, features for them. Uh, and so, um, you know, there are a number of bots that we have that have this sort of sign-in functionality built in. Most of them do it via a link or um, uh, a card that, uh, you know, pops up for the, for the user to allow a sign-in system. Um, over time, I think this will evolve um, so that the sign-in experience is going to be better. Um, but you can certainly build a bot that's, that's kind of locked down in that way. Um, the pipeline between the web service that you deployed and the bot framework is secured via SSL and a set of secret keys. So you can make sure that your bot is only being called by the bot framework. And then from there, you can connect it up to channels where you get to control the distribution. Um, okay. So uh, over, you know, like I said, we have, we've got email. Um, we don't have Skype for business at the moment, but you know, that, that's one of our most requested uh, channels. And that's something that we're, you know, we're excited to, to make happen at some point. Um, but uh, over time, I think you can expect that like both the identity part of that, which is the ability for a user to express his credentials into the bot, and then um, the security stuff for enterprises, um, you know, that, that's an area where we're going to continue to put energy because it's, it's like everybody wants to, to build those scenarios. Yeah, because kind of initially, like the, the the temperature in my office, like I, I'm the only one that wants access to that. And, <laughs> you know, I'm the only one that finds that interesting. And I'm still trying to figure out like what channel I want these things going through. Um, so, you know, do I want to use Slack? Do I want to use Skype? Like what, what types of, of things do I want to use? So kind of 
I, you know, I do. I want to. I want to take a step back because there's some some high level bot questions that I have. So I guess the the first one is thinking through like how I actually interact with my bots. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different endpoints, and if I'm in Slack, like I wanted to be in Slack, and that's great. But I was thinking through like like Cortana. The fact that, um, you know, I have like this little, you know, basically chat window on there and I can use voice or whatever. But like, um, what are your thoughts on like where that's going? Are those things ultimately, do you think those will converge? I mean, will, will, uh, you know, I know that like Cortana is a bot, but like, can I use the Cortana interface to hook in other bots? Uh, a great question. And yeah. Cortana already has, um, I don't know if you're familiar with VCD, which is, I think it's voice command dialogue. Um, there's already yeah. a toolkit that you can use to have Cortana call out to yeah. others. But see, like, I've already, like, I've already written the bot to, like, answer, like, what is the temperature in my office? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go rewrite it with Cortana. Yeah. Yeah. So the APIs are different. And yeah. um, uh, they, they clearly, like, uh, I, I think it'd be very strange for us to not have a, a story where those two things put together. Um, there's not a whole lot concrete that I can say at the moment. Yeah. But, yeah. And I'm, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm sort of thinking abstractly, like, does that, does that make sense? Or those, because it seems like those conversations will be real similar. It totally, it totally does. Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's the same in a, uh, like a Cortana experience yeah. and a bot experience and, um, uh, what's a little bit different. And the different parts, parts are really, um, kind of at the surface. So what's the same is there's a conversational UI that you would want to have start with Cortana and then yep. maybe continue with your own bot. Um, a lot of the same technology, uh, a lot of the technology that you would use to power those experiences is the same, right? The ability to process natural language, um, the ability to keep track of where you are at, at where you're at in the conversation, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the ability to reach out to other applications, sensors, and things like those are all really similar. And um, uh, at, at, once you've got that, I think I just lost a video. Let's see. Once you've got that, um, uh, gluing them together in a way that uh, that you know that where you can present the functionality of the bot. Uh, through um, through a personality like either Cortana or otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of choosing what um, uh, what personality you want to have available. Like all the stuff under the covers is the same. So, yeah. do we want to have uh, a user talking with Cortana and then um, uh, you know invoking your temperature thing in the background, or do we want it to talk to Cortana and then maybe move over to your temperature bot? Or do we want to have Cortana like find the right temperature but for you? Like these are all easy things to kind of glue on top of the technology once they exist. Yeah, yeah. It, it just somehow I'd love to see those things converge because I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't want to have to like write them twice. So if I can hook those together, that'd be great. And yeah, your video did stop. If you want to start it again, I don't know if it's. We'll, we'll just, we'll just go. keep going. Yeah, Car- Carl's, Carl's still spinning, but you know, yep. that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm always spinning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just Carl himself. Oh no, wait, that is the that is the Skype thing. Uh, so I guess that was sort of big picture. Let's let's zoom in a little bit and get back to some of the details. Um, so I guess a really basic question we didn't go over: What languages can I actually create one of these things in? That's a, a great question. So we launched with first-class support for both Node.js and C Sharp. Okay. Um, but the bot framework is designed as an open platform where you can build your service in any language as long as you talk our REST API protocol. Um, oh, okay. We knew right at the outset that if we locked um, developers into a vertical where like you had to use you know all the same tools and everything all the way up and down the stack, yeah. that nobody would use our stuff. Right. So, um, we we decided instead to go with an approach where you know if you want to use our C sharp and Node.js SDKs, awesome, that's great. We have first class support for that. Um, but if you want to write uh, a bot in your own language, you can totally do that too. In fact, it, it doesn't have to be hosted on you know it can be hosted on Azure, and we make it easy to host on Azure. But it can be hosted wherever you want. It can be written in, in Python or I don't know Cobol or whatever you want to code in. 
Um, it doesn't have to be those two things. Okay. And then what about the, the, the type definitions for TypeScript? Do you have those? Um, I, I believe so. I believe the, the node um, flavor of our SDK uh, has TypeScript definitions. Okay. Um, it, it, I think it's all written in TypeScript. Oh, you know what? I, I, I think I did see that because I, that's what gives you IntelliSense for, for JavaScript itself. And then if you're in uh, TypeScript, then you get the, it basically is enforcing the types, uh, which, is, which is very cool. Infragistics, Ultimate UX and UI Tools, and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset. So, you know, how do I get started making my first bot? You know, I download the SDK, I look at the REST API, then what? Well, um, I think the first thing you have to do is figure out what kind of a bot you want to write. And that's mm-hmm. that's always a hard question. Um, it, it feels like there are kind of two Hello World apps for bots. Um, one of them is is hooking Zork up to to a channel. Like it seems like everybody builds one of those right at the outset. Um, and then the other one is... Uh, <laughs> I saw one of those. That's funny. I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has a version of a Zork bot and then everyone <laughs> has a, a version of a pizza bot. And I love yeah. pizza and I love Zork, but like they kind of are like everyone builds those right yeah. at the outset. So um, let's say you've got something else like uh, uh, like maybe Jason's temperature bot would be mm-hmm. is a good example. So you have a Raspberry Pi hooked up to a sensor. Um, uh, you have some existing software, some existing logic that you want to hook into the bot. You, you don't the bot isn't just an empty shell with nothing in it. You know, it, it has some sort of. Uh, you know, ability to read that temperature sensor. So you have those API calls, and um, you now need to hook them up to the components of the bot framework so it can turn into a bot. Um, if your bot is going to have any sort of like multi-turn conversational logic, um, so the ability to maybe ask a question and get a response, um, or maybe it's going to have the ability to support help or cancel at any time, um, then our bot builder SDK is uh, like the perfect starting point because it has all the tools to manage all of that state for you. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't have that, our other tools apply too, but I like the bot builder is like the first thing you should start out with. Um, once you've got the bot builder, um, that's an SDK that you download, uh, and like I said, for C Sharp or uh, Node.js. And actually, I, th- I think it works with other .NET languages too. Um, it's, a, it's a stack of DLLs. Um, I haven't actually tried it though. I, 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 I do my coding in Node and C Sharp. So um, once you've got that, then you publish your bot online. So bots in the, in the world of bots, they're, they're all web services. And so you publish it online and you end up with a web hook and you end up with, um, you, you have a, uh, a, a way to configure a calling endpoint back out to the bot framework. So you configure the, uh, the messaging endpoint for that. Um, and, um, and actually that's built into our SDK. So you don't even have to configure the, the bot framework endpoint that, that comes with the, for, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I had like five lines of code for my whole bot. <laughs> yeah, it's really simple, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, we have a Visual Studio template, too, um, for C Sharp. Yeah, that's so, what I used, yep. Yep, it ends up, it does pretty much everything for you. 
Yeah. Uh, so once you've got that, now that you have your your uh, web service that's configured, you go into the the bot framework developer uh, excuse me developer portal. Mm-hmm. That's a dev.botframework.com mm-hmm. and register for an account. And there's um, it's just a you just use your Microsoft account to sign in, and you can then register your bot. And I think the forum has um, like eight or ten different fields of, of things like what is your bot's display name and its yep. description, um, and you know many of the fields are op- optional. And you put in the endpoint where you publish your bot. Um, at that point, it generates uh, some secret uh, secret key for you so that you can secure access between the bot and the bot framework. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's available inside of the developer portal, and you can test out the functionality of the bot. We have a little test panel right there where you can type in a test message and kind of bounce it off the bot. Uh, and then you can connect it up to channels. So for each of those channels, and I listed a few, we have around a dozen, I think, right now that we support. Um, you go to uh, any one of those channels like um, uh, Skype or uh, SMS or uh, Facebook. You register your, for your bot's account there, and then you copy and paste the credentials in and, into the bot framework. And that allows the bot framework to talk to those channels on your bot's behalf. So we sit in the middle of the communication, and we deal with all the messy API nonsense um, in yep. getting your bot to talk those those different protocols. Um, and we also do some helpful things, too, like um, in Slack, whenever your bot is installed in a different Slack instance um, and a different Slack, um, a Slack team, mm-hmm. uh, you get a different ID for your bot. Like your bot can be named different things in different um, Slack teams. And so okay. we keep track of all the bookkeeping for that so that you don't have to do it yourself. We generate an add to Slack button for you, so that comes in. So you can just copy and paste it. Um, we have a web chat control um, where if you, you actually, and actually this one, you don't have to sign up for anything. Um, on, the, uh, on the bot framework web page, once you've got your bot listed, you just check the box where it says web chat. And um, you can, you have an embed code. It kind of looks like a YouTube embed code. You can yeah, paste it your own web page. I saw that. And that can talk directly with your bot. Um, so we've got that. Uh, we also have an, an API that um, you can use to embed your bot's functionality in your own um, chat app, uh, your own mobile app, or your own web page. Um, independent of our, our, our uh, embeddable web chat control. So that API is called Direct Line. It kind of gives you a direct line directly to your bot that you can put anywhere you want. Um, and that also you don't need to sign up for. So you have all these different tools that you can mm-hmm. use to connect your bot up to different channels and it's just a matter of going through the steps and copy and pasting the keys and, and you're done. Okay. So you, you mentioned other bot frameworks earlier. Now, I it seems like there's kind of two different classes, right? So you could... You could obviously use like the quote unquote framework that like Slack gives you and use that directly, but it doesn't give you the variety of channels. So I think that's kind of obvious what the differences are. But what about I, I think frame I think uh, Facebook has like a bot framework. I don't know if it supports different cha- like what what other frameworks are they and how do they compare? There are a ton of different tools and they all solve slightly different okay. but overlapping problems. So um, Facebook owns a company called um, Wit. Um, and they do natural language processing. Um, we have in the bot framework, well, in Microsoft, we have um, uh, a similar service called Lewis, yep. which is the Language Understanding Intelligence Service. And Lewis is super easy. Um, it's, it's an AI system that sort of works like a regex on steroids. So uh, if you have to process natural language and you type it all out in regexes, it can be kind of a mess. But really, you just want to match like patterns of phrases. Like in the hotel bot example, um, you know, you could imagine customers who are curious about what the checkout time for the hotel is. Yep. Like they would say things like, "When can I check out? What is the checkout time? You know, at, at what yep. time do I need to be out of my room?" And so you just put all these examples into Lewis, and it um, it maps them down to one programmatic, essentially an enum. So it says, oh, the user has invoked the checkout time thing. Yeah, an intent. 
Yeah, precisely. That, yeah, exactly. So you're, you're familiar with this. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, wit is um, kind of in the same category as Lewis, where they, they change natural language into intents. Um, there are a whole bunch of tools that kind of overlap our own, but um, I, I think our integration works, you know, really well with our, our existing tools, but you can plug in other ones if you want to. Okay, cool. If you happen to be attached to it, you know, your own tooling, like mm-hmm. totally, you can, you can find it, we can, we can plug that in. And, and in fact, our, our uh, Bot Builder SDK, which does a lot of the glue for these components, is entirely open source. So um, you can take a look at it on, on GitHub and, you know, clone the repo and play around with it. Um, and we have a lot of interfaces in there to shim in your own services. Um, but, you know, you can, you can take a look at that and um, see how you can integrate your own natural language systems into it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so as we were talking about, you know, bots between me and Jason earlier in the week, he got really excited about making a command line bot. Is there is that feasible at this point? Is that totally. you know, Yeah, it absolutely is. So that direct line API that I mentioned gives you a way to talk to your um, your production bot. We've mm-hmm. also got an emulator. So we have um, a bot framework emulator, which kind of we, we sort of uh, named it after the Azure emulators um, that emulates the bot framework connector service and lets you talk to your bot. And that thing we ship on um, uh, Windows, uh, Linux, and OS X. Um, Linux and OS X versions run on Mono, um, but it runs as a command line app. And there's a really good example right there of just a command line interface that allows you to talk directly to your bot. Yeah. Um, another way you could do this is to build a wrapper around our direct line API, like I mentioned. And um, that's probably a good a good sample to put together to just have like a quick CLI, like talk to my bot okay. um, tool. Yeah, I don't know if I have time to do it, but I was just thinking through like, you know, if, if I'm going to build a bot, I want it to be pervasive. I want it, I want to be able to access it, um, you know, wherever I'm at. So if I'm in a command line environment... I want to, you know, maybe I have it look up something for me and, and maybe, you know, it's, if I'm in visual studio, I also have like a bot pane within visual studio. Like it, I just want it to be everywhere that I'm at. And if I'm on a, if I'm on my, you know, cell phone, I want whatever interface is the most lightweight and lets me talk to it really easily. Um, so, you know, Slack is pretty quick on a phone and I think uses minimal bandwidth. So I think that would probably be a, a pretty good choice for, for integrating in with it, I, you know, Skype as well. Um, some of these other things. And I, I like the fact too, that, you know, I could be talking to, um, authenticated services so I can, I can authenticate directly against the bot and then I can, um, have it, you know, sort of have all these conversations and it's already authenticated with those other services. So, um, that's kind of exciting to me too. Cause I saw somebody built like an Azure bot where they could say, you know, um, you know, which machines, uh, are consuming or costing me the most, you know, and then you could issue commands like shut down that machine and, and things like that. So those are the kinds of things that are getting me pretty excited. Yeah. And, you know, conversation, we had this discussion in our labs a few months ago. We, we realized that conversation is uh, sort of like the ultimate deep link, mm-hmm. um, that the ability to express in one sentence, hey, show me all the machines that, have, that are using more than 50% yeah. CPU. Um, that is, is a multi-click um, process to get through in a web UI. Yep. But in a conversational UI, you can go directly to the point. Um, and, uh, you know, bots have that conversational UI, like that is the way you interact with bots, but, um, it can, it doesn't necessarily have to be through a remote interface. You could put that interface directly on the web page. You know, you could put that in Azure directly so that you could chat with Azure. And that's kind of what conversational UI is really all about. You know, the word bots tends to get overloaded with a lot of questions about AI and autonomous software. Um, but so much of what we're working on is about, um, human computer interaction and putting like, 
um, conversational UI in places and using conversational UI to move software to where the user already is, right? I want the, I want the software to be in my, my Slack team where I'm having conversations with other, with other people mm-hmm. or I want it to be over SMS because it's convenient for me. Text enables that. Conversational UI enables all of that. Okay. Very cool. And then, you know, we, we talked about like the pizza ordering bot, which is kind of boring and overdone, but like what other, what other examples are, are just really like that you've seen is like, wow, this is just a really good fit for a bot. I mean, you mentioned like deep linking, but like what, you know, it, based on your experience, what, what has really made a really good bot? Um, there are a bunch of bots that I use on, on a regular basis. Um, let's see, there's, um, there's a bot called Poncho, which is a weather bot. Um, and Poncho launched, I think they launched on email only, and then they're available on Messenger, and so they're kind of all over, they, they, they're available on a lot of different channels. Um, but it's a way that, like, they've given um, uh, something which is really straightforward, which is weather, a personality. So mm-hmm. Poncho's pretty cool. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a news bot that I subscribe to called um, Purple, and it's, it's, a, it's a bot that's just about news. Um, and they have done some really clever things in their UI where um, they capitalize keywords that you can send back to the bot. So um, they, they sort of teach the user how to interact with the bot in a way that's really lightweight, and they've done some really cool things there. Okay. Um, there's this really awesome bot so recently called Kip that does um, group ordering for like uh, business groups. And so if you have like um, if you have a team and you have an office manager who needs to order stuff for the team, like Kip helps you manage the order between a bunch of different people. So um, there, there are a bunch of different bots that um, solve problems that we didn't know that we needed software to solve for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the group ordering thing has been done a couple of times on the web, but it never really took off. And um, doing it over conversation is really natural. And it kind of took someone to, to realize the conversation was a natural way to build that scenario for it to exist. Okay, cool. And then any, any that you've seen that like don't work well at all? It's just like, just don't even try. Well, uh, it's kind of like asking, like, did you have you seen any terrible websites in 1996? You know, like, <laughs> I, I feel like so. It's uh, all about execution. Yeah, it is, and and um, there are a bunch of bots that, like, I've written bots that don't work particularly well, yeah. right? Just as you know, it's like, oh, I had an hour and I threw together a thing that I thought would be interesting, and it just totally flopped. Um, there's a lot of experimentation, and uh, I think that's okay, right? Like the the uh, the technology is still really early, and people are um, building out scenarios that are pushing the technology. Um, but the fact that we have a bunch of bots that don't work great so far is not like I don't see it as like a bad thing. It's just a, a thing that it, that always takes place when you have a popular new technology. Okay, I, I was hoping you were going to say temperature bot, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, like putting yeah the temperature in your office. Yeah, I'm just now, playing so- around though. So is this generally available at this point, or is it still a preview product? We're still in preview right now. Um, uh, yeah, that's short answer is still preview. <laughs> there you go. Which I always, I always say is 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 a, I always kind of spin it as a good thing because now is your chance to get feedback in when, while it's still in preview. Once it goes to GA, then you know you got to wait for the next version or whatever. So, oh, and then there was a question I think that Scott, Carl skipped that I wanted to make sure I asked. So. So the, the, and, and I, I guess we've, we've sort of addressed it, but you know, I, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't want to have to ask, you know, if it let's so you built a lot of bots. Let's say I had 10 different bots. I have one, uh, for ordering pizza. I have one for, for doing whatever, like, it, is there a way to make it so that I don't even think about what bot I'm talking to? Um, uh, so right now, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Like I have to, yeah. I have to individually address like, Hey, pizza bot. And it goes, yeah. Hey, what's up? And I'm like, order me a pizza. 
like, can I, can I, is, is there a way to do this? Or are you kind of thinking through like uh, a way that I can just be talking maybe in like a, a general Slack channel or something? I just say, you know what? I'm hungry for pizza. And then it, it pops in. It's like the pizza bot comes in and he's like, Hey, do you want me to order you one? Yeah. Um, you know, you have to think a little bit about the user experience there. Yeah. Um, and it feels a little bit creepy to me to have something listening maybe <laughs> for, for requests. I, I mean, in some cases that's totally warranted, yeah. but in others it, it can be a little weird. And so, um, you know, we, we do have the ability for a bot to be in a conversation and to receive all the traffic. And that's up to the bot developer to make an experience uh, that makes okay. sense. Okay. Um, so we've got that option. Some of the channels don't allow that. So like in Slack, you get all the traffic. Um, I think you get all, all the traffic directed um, it, within the within the Slack channel, um, but in other uh, group settings, um, the channel may decide that that's not appropriate. Okay, okay, and I guess that really doesn't make sense. Like on Skype, I guess in in that scenario, what I had in mind was, can I just have like a bot in Skype that I can talk to and have it uh, talk to other bots? On because I I think at Build you showed like a bot was talking to another bot on your behalf, mm-hmm. but um, you know, can I have kind of this master you know Butler bot that you know talks to all these other ones? You could, and, and like this goes back to the conversation around Cortana, right? I think yeah. there are some scenarios in which that totally yeah, makes really sense, similar, and yeah. then there are other scenarios where it'll feel a little weird, and yeah. it's all the same stuff. It's just a matter of choosing the right personality uh, that makes sense in that in that case. Yeah. So, how do I know if uh, Jason is a bot or not when I'm talking <laughs> to him on Slack? Uh, you know, in the future, I don't know that we're going to know when. Um, you know, when you're talking to a human who's not assisted by any software a human who's assisted by software or software that's going to be backed by a human. And um, there are some bots already that you can try out that I think illustrate some of the kind of cool ways these things can be integrated together. And um, I don't know if you're going to have a clear answer. So let me uh, let me tell you about um, Esterbot, which is a, a bot that um, um, a friend of mine wrote. Um, uh, Esther Crawford put together this bot. She was looking for work and wanted to put together a resume bot. And so this bot answers on behalf of her. So you start talking to Esther Bot and it says, hi, what do you want to learn about me? And you can go through and say, oh, I'd like to learn about your, you know, your professional history or, you know, they had a bunch of questions like that. And there's a point at which you can actually contact Esther. Um, and you can talk to Esther directly through the bot. <laughs> so this now, is really, imagine- that could streamline interviews. I totally can. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and, uh, you can imagine like a more sophisticated version of this bot being in place. Um, for maybe someone who is a you know an independent professional, mm-hmm. where if you take requests from customers, you start out and you talk to you know you talk to the automated version of you before talking to the real version of you. And in some ways, we already have this with every like um, customer support center that we call into. Yeah. You talk to a voice that is an automated voice, and then you go flip get flipped over to a human. And the difference is that we have a really clear idea in the customer support case when we're you know when we're talking to a recording versus talking to a real human, and it's not so clear over text. And so maybe there's something that we can do around the edges to make that interaction a little bit clearer. But sometimes you may not know whether it's a person, a person assisted by software, or software itself that can switch over to a human. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Uh, can you ask questions about the MS Dev Show? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, if people are going to build bots, like, there are a few things that um, that they should try to do, and like, you know, try to try to understand, uh, you know, different ways that your customers will say things, uh, and also if you have to fall back, trying to find a way that falls back that's not just sorry, I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that is that is one of the it's so early frustrating. Yeah. Right, exactly that that we see a lot of and I, I think it can be a lot better especially if you if you have um you know multiple layers of um like you do um you know the first layer if you can't detect it in your intent detection system then maybe just do keyword searching or maybe find a way to escalate to a human which would be great right yeah. so if someone gets stuck they're not just stranded in the bot um they at least have someone they can talk to to help out or just default to zork 
Always, always, have a, always have a pizza for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, would you like to order a pizza? And then Carl, you have a cool uh, picture here. Did where did you find this? I I just happened to see it yesterday on Twitter. It okay. uh, we'll have it in the show notes. It says learn to speak to machines, and then at the bottom it's got like one of those like tear off you know the phone <laughs> yeah. number thing. So you know. Talk to call centers, Siri, in-car systems, Amazon Echo. Learn how these systems work so you can clearly <laughs> communicate with them. Assistance with accent adjustment, tips on language, preferences, and settings. In the future, don't get left behind. <laughs> so it's making such a good point. I mean, the, the, we as developers need to make these bots really, really good because you can't exp- you can't retrain the human. I mean, that's just not a viable option. Like the the bot is the one that that has to to pick up the slack. And I like that idea of escalating to a human, especially seamlessly. Um, so like it seems like cable companies do a terrible job because they they like it, I don't know. There's like a human involved like right in the beginning, but then they sort of mix in stuff that's clearly like faked. And I, I just feel like there's so much room for improvement there. Mm-hmm. Um, they should if they could make that conversational. And a lot of my questions are like really simple. Like, you know, how do I check for service at this address? You know, she's like, well, what is, give me the address and like, go check it. And it's actually a lot easier than, uh, than, than talking to their site. And then even like a restaurant site, right? You want like the hours, you want the phone number. And sometimes people miss those things, like integrate that on there. Like, what are your hours? And it just tells you the hours and things like that. It's a deep link straight to the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I was even thinking about, um, you know, like, should we have like that web, you know, like you mentioned, you can embed like a little uh, web page in your, you know, to talk to the bot, like right in your, in your web page. It'd be kind of neat to have one on the MS dev show to sort of replace search, right? So you can, you can search for topics in there and you could, you know, I don't know, just any kind of queries about the, the MS dev show would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Anything else that, um, that we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure you mentioned, you think we covered it pretty well? I think I think we covered uh, okay. a lot that's out there. I mean, I'm interested in seeing people build really great bots, and yeah. so we, uh, you know, we, we've been putting together a lot of tools to make that easy. Um, but ideas and inspiration are, um, you know, we can only help so much with those. And so if if folks out there have like great ideas for bots they want to build, um, you know, I'd love to hear about them. Love to figure out ways okay. that we can build better software to support those. Okay. Yeah. And just try it. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, I built one. I think it was less than an hour, and I was like clicking buttons pretty uh, furiously, but. But still, like it guided me down the right path. So it's uh, it's very cool. Uh, okay, so pick of the week. So we have a couple dev tips of the week. You want to start those off, Carl? Yes. So the first one I got off of uh, Scott Hanselman on Twitter. So there was a just he put out this thing said that did you know that you can pipe command prompt commands into the clipboard? And then he just has a screenshot. Screenshot. You essentially type any command, put the pipe symbol, the vertical bar, you yep. know, shift whack, and then clip. And it'll send it to the clipboard. So the first yeah. thing I did is I opened it up, IP config, pipe clip. You have all that, all yeah. your IP addresses right there. I mean, it's such a useful oh. thing. And oh. it's been there ever since Vista. So it's been there <laughs> just, just forever. Waiting, just waiting. You just know what's waiting. cool about that too? Like you mentioned the IP. Can, there's so many good uses of this because, um, you know, whenever you open up. So so if you do like IP config, if you go into like uh, Cortana or in like, you know, the the run command, like it just mm-hmm. the window disappears, right? It doesn't stay up. But I'm, I'm guessing and I guess I haven't tried it, but I assume that you can just type it that right into there. You say IP config, you know, pipe it in a clip, and then you can just paste it somewhere. Because normally I'd have to like go open a command prompt, and then I'd have to type it in. And uh, it does a search for it when you do that. Oh. It does a search for it. Yeah. Well, I think you'd have to hit just hit Windows R. Oh, uh, just running. Just hit Windows R and type in IP config, 
uh, pipe clip. I don't know why we're doing this in real time, but we'll, we'll have an answer here in just a second. Boom. Does it. It does it. That's cool. So that'll actually save me some time doing that kind of stuff. That's awesome. You know what? I've got a, I have a command line thing that I found out yesterday, too. Yeah. Um, I was trying to, uh, all the time I'm trying to get back to the, the root of my um, Git repo on my machine, right? I'm uh, down in some subject yeah. somewhere. And uh, I found a way to uh, to pack that into a, a, a single command line command um, that now I've just got coded up as a as a .cmd uh, script. So oh. it's it's a little, it's a thing. Using so whatever for, repo you're nested in, it'll take you back up? Yeah, yeah. I just oh. called it git root and put it in a command. Oh, that's uh, cool. Command script in my in my in my uh, my path. But like, it's only one line. It uses like four and slash f and like yeah. a, some like variable replacement junk. And I I, I posted that on uh, on Twitter yesterday. So okay, uh, you can you can find that there at the Dan Driscoll. We'll find a way to we'll we'll put my Twitter handle at the end. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good yeah. that's a good tip. So even our guest has a tip. Um, and then so the other the other one for that would be if you're in GitHub for Windows, you can hit the tilde button on a repo and it will uh, open up a command line uh, in that folder. So that's another way to get to that root. Hmm. So what else you got, Carl? So I had another one. We may have had this before, but I have an alternate use for it. I think we did. So, so uh, this one is Xeno link sleuth. So this is a a web crawler that'll just, you point it at a site and it'll kind of just crawl your site, tell you all the stats on all the links, like how many times you have uh, pointing to certain URLs or, you know, it just tells you if you have dead links and and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I ran across somebody that I was helping that they had a business requirement that at every every night at midnight they had to clear the web cache and then immediately fill it again. And the way that it was architected, he could not figure out how to refill this cache. Uh, so I said, well, why don't you take this Xeno Link Sleuth and just automate that to run at like twelve ten? So it'll essentially crawl your site for you, hit every URL, and refill the cache. So that was, uh, you know, if you have weird requirements like that, just think of what capabilities the tools that you're already using have and, and yep. it could potentially give you. So I have actually used that tool for that for that particular purpose. I didn't schedule it, but I used it to to avoid the the cold startup, basically. Uh, very cool. And I actually have a dev tip of the week as well. So this one, I mean, who who can use an extra sixty hours of time in a year in their life? I know I can, right? So <laughs> this one, I don't think I've ever mentioned this one before. And um, Carl, I, I expected that you were using this one. So right now I have I have the Apple Watch on. Anybody mm-hmm. looking at the video can see that. I wear the Microsoft Band at night because it's awesome for sleep tracking. So what I do is I use the smart alarm. And I, I, I don't know why I should, I need to like, you know, email somebody about this, but we should just have a commercial just for this feature, uh, which is the the smart alarm feature. So basically what it'll do is it'll monitor your sleep and whenever you um, whenever you're lightly sleeping up to 30 minutes before the alarm time that you set, it will wake you up. So it'll actually wake you up at an ideal time. Um, so I just took the difference so it can wake you up up to 30 minutes early. I took the difference. I said, OK, um, on average, it's going to wake you up 15 minutes ahead of time. Um, and then I just multiply that out by like the number of days in the year. So you can get an extra 60 hours in a year. So I thought that was a pretty good tip. Um, I think it's worth spending. I don't know what. How much is the band now? Two hundred bucks. One seventy-five. Uh, I, I know. I think it's one seventy-five. It just yeah. went on sale again. That's an incredible deal. Just use it just for sleep tracking. Just see how good night's sleep you're getting, and then use the smart alarm feature. It's just crazy. Okay, Dan. So we play a game on the show. What I need you to do is I need you to pick a number between one and four, inclusive. Three. Three. Okay. Would you? <laughs> it's about waking up. That's funny. <laughs> Would you rather have an alarm clock that gives you a small electric shock to wake you up 
or one that pours a bucket of ice cold water on you to wake you up? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, um, uh, definitely not both, right? Is, is that the, <laughs> <laughs> if that's what's needed, I guess. I, I feel like uh, I feel like being soggy in the morning would probably probably yeah. be a bit of a downer. I think I'm going to have to go with the electric shock. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you. It, it's not like it ends either. Like you continue to feel cold, so <laughs> that's no fun. So I agree with that. So Carl, pick a number. I'll pick number two. Number two. Would you rather always take baths with live fish in the tub, or always shower with water pumped out of a nearby pond? I think uh, number the first one. Just because you don't take many baths, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, well, no, that sounds horrible. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because you usually just, shower. Well, no, I, you know, I'm thinking about it like I can control the water quality. If I'm just putting like fish inside some clean water, yeah, I, I you know, some pond water, especially in the middle of summer, would get pretty nasty. Yeah. And in winter, I mean, it freezes here, so that would <laughs> yeah. be pretty cold. <laughs> so, so you wake up to the to the ice water, and then you take a shower with like ice uh, pouring down on you. Sounds like a yeah. great morning. Oh, you'd be happy after that, though. I mean, like the whole day would be would be would get better after that. OK, Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, at the Dandrus uh on Twitter. That's uh, D-A-N-T-H-E-D-A-N-D-R-I-S-C-O-L-L. OK, um, uh, but you can keep track of all the bot framework stuff at botframework.com. Um, there's a blog linked off of there. And then just the dev portal is a place where you can see, um, you know, all the, all the features that are okay. available and uh, keep track of it there. Yeah. That, that website, I mean, it's, it's very well done. Like I was able, it, it was, I just got up to speed so quick and I didn't have anybody helping me. I mean, I was just going off that website and I found it incredibly easy. So great job there. Awesome. Our dev team and design teams are both amazing. And yeah. like all of the visual design is like totally spot on. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really impressed. I, if, if it were just me coding it, it wouldn't look that pretty, but they are. Right. Awesome. Right. right. Awesome. Yeah. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about bots. It was very enlightening. Thank you. Thank you both. <laughs> <laughs>